You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. If John Paul Basquiat, Keith Haring, and Quentin Tarantino collectively made wine, you would have the delicious wines of Scotty Boy and CCGP. It's liquid art. Take a listen. I'm sitting with Scott Sampler. He joins me today. I jokingly called him a time traveler. And you know why? Because he's here to show us what we should be drinking. I, I spent the day with him, and I have to tell you, I was just floored by, you know, well, we're going to talk about this, because he defies what the flavor wheel is, basically, for a wine, and so heads up and listen, because you are going to be so excited to find these wines and uh, go on your psychedelic journey. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Quite an introduction. I hope I live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wines do. If you don't, the wines will. And that's, that's, that's the mo- most important. Yes. Um, so uh, let's just talk about the beginning growing up in L.A., uh, you know, 70s, 80s, uh, you know, your mom, your dad, and what that was like. I mean, we're kind of from the same era. So um, I think that's a, you know, it's a nice place to start. Um, well, I grew up in an artistic household. Um, my mother... My mother was originally an actress, and then she became um, uh, interested in anthropology. So she was also she had like an intellectual side. Mm-hmm. And my father, uh, he um, was a graphic designer um, for an architectural firm mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, like one of a it's like an early Weimar firm right. um, that invented. The mall. The mall? Yes. Now, now the grand mall or the strip mall? Slight difference. The, the grand mall, okay. the, you know, because they were like a Bauhaus oh, okay. a firm. Right. And, uh, um, you know, it was like kind of a utopian, mm-hmm. um, sociological uh, idea that the mall would be a, a great place in developing... Um, areas such as California, sure. which were more kind of like sprawl, you know, kind of rural development. Um, it would be a great place for people to come together. Yeah, it was, it was supposedly our pub, our community yeah. would be at the mall. Who would have guessed what yeah, it turned into? Absolutely. And, right. and they had like ambitious um, public art mm-hmm. um, ideas. So, like, um, my father was. The person who um, uh, solicited uh, artists for public art in in these malls, so there were like super cool artists always coming through the house, and uh, um, so it was very interesting, right? Very interesting uh, time, the LA art world, right? And uh, I kind of got taken around as a little baby. Uh, to yeah, to all these like happenings and art openings, and I think there's a parallel between LA art scene and what you do. Uh, and uh, as a side note, um, Dennis Hopper 
was going around in the late 70s buying Keith Haring, Basquiat, Pollock, all these guys. He was an L.A. guy, and people like, like, this guy's a fucking crackhead, of course. Now, <laughs> now that stuff is worth fortune. Um, and we're going to jump around a little bit, but certainly some of your labels um, are, are reminiscent of this kind of like punk you know, graffiti era, uh, really cool. Um, I mean, the, the labels are almost collectible themselves. Well, yeah, so. it's like kind of um, uh, my. So some of the labels I use my father's artwork. Mm -hmm. he, oh, really? he, okay. He, he he made collages, and um, I use some of his artwork for uh, the CCGP wines, and um, uh, also these large drawer wines. I've used some. Uh, stuff that I found in this kind of archives before right. there was Photoshop um, in order to pitch public art and to pitch various um, kind of public architectural design ideas. Um, they would actually make mock-ups of cityscapes with oh. photographs. And so there were these surreal... Yeah, um, there's some like there's some black and white landscapes, and there's like an like a woman in a jetpack suit elevating. They remind me of like '50s sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like this kind of like cool light, shit, light surrealism, yeah. you know, kind of weird. Like it looks like maybe like a horror film yeah. or light surrealism or um, something that has like a sci-fi quality to it. So the, the, those were really, really interesting images. So I use some of those for some some labels. Mm -hmm. um, and then I make my own my my own labels, uh, primarily for the Scott, the Scotty Boy wines, which which we're gonna get to. I'm gonna yeah. push back a little bit. We gotta, okay. so growing up in L.A., um, where like movie town. I lived in L.A. for a while. I, I used to love I loved L.A. for a, a, a period of time, but it was one of those like you have to be in the film business to be there. It seemed like like you would be at a party and somebody would, somebody would say, so what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm the head thoracic surgeon at Mount Sinai Hospital. And they go, oh, you got a screenplay? Like, no, this is what I fucking do. I'm a heart surgeon. Ah, uh, oh, you're going to direct. Like, no, but like, it's not a, it's, it's funny town. because, uh, yeah, like yeah. when I was growing up there, uh, when I was growing up, it didn't really feel like you had to be locked into the right. film business because um, uh, uh, there were other, like the, the person who lived down the street for me was a record producer, Freddie Parent, who, oh, okay. um, who produced the Saturday Night uh, Fever oh, shit. record and produced um, wow. a lot of the artists who right. were on it. Like he produced Peaches and Herb. And oh, reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah. Um, a lot of that, like, like yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. He was like somebody who came out of Motown. Right. And um, So how does it influence you? Because growing up there, you, did you say, like, I want to be in the movie business, I want to be in the art business? What, what, what does your, like, formative years look like growing up in Los Angeles? Well, I mean, I was just exposed to a lot of art. So I was right. like... Like, you know, I couldn't help. My parents were art collectors and artists and intellectuals and foodies. And so we also ate at restaurants all the time. And um, and so, uh, you know, early on, I was, we're, we're food obsessed. Right. And uh, my mother uh, came from like an a, a Italian ranching family in, in California. So I'm a fifth generation 
Los Angelino. Okay. And, um, and so she, uh, made sauce every Sunday, like the tradition of Sunday sauce. I love it. And was an amazing uh, home cook. And my grandmother, you know, know, it'll be a cliche, but uh, my grandmother was an incredible, incredible cook. Oh, yeah. made amazing stuff. No, no, made the, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she taught me how to make gnocchi and stuff. Ah. But she made made just incredible stuff. And, uh, um. And so, you know, there was a there was always like a high level of interest in aesthetics, whether visual or culinary or whatever. Right. You know, intellectual, you know. Um, And so that was just kind of the environment was a rich environment Mm -hmm. of uh, ideas and uh, a lot of I always remember like feeling like. There were always like a lot of high level conversations going on at di- the dinner table, right? And a lot of interesting people coming through. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and so when you start to figure out what you want to do, what did you? What was the initial kind of mission? Like high well, school, I college, I was like, a fashion photographer early okay. on, and then I saw Apocalypse Now when I was twelve at the Cinerama uh, yeah. Dome. Okay, it was like something that you had to buy tickets to. It was like reserved seating. One of my favorite movies. And uh, I was so blown away by the movie. I was 12 years old and so blown away by it. I thought like, oh, this is, I have to make films. Right. You know, this is, this is like the ultimate where you can combine. I had, a, I, I acted in, in uh, junior high school and uh, high school. And so I was interested in um, theater and acting and and I was interested in writing and I give you my apocalypse now note so I've thought about this because it's also like moved me I watched that and it just I realized at one point that um, you know Francis Ford Coppola is directing the movie and in the movie Kurtz is going up river or somebody's going up river to kill Kurtz and I couldn't help but think of the parallel between Francis Ford going upriver to knock off Orson Welles <laughs> as the greatest filmmaker ever. I know it's bizarre to think like that's that. But I'm thinking, that's interesting. That's I've a, never heard that one, actually. That's, yeah, that's interesting. It was my kind of personal theory of like what was going on in that that's movie. Very, that's and why? Very because fun. if you look at the, all the out, like he was so obsessive. He hawked his house. He went into debt. It was, you know, it was going to, it was way the fuck over budget yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. thinking that's Coppola going I'm gonna fuck on I'm gonna fucking knock Orson <laughs> Welles off his chair and make that's the best movie ever that's pretty interesting that's pretty yeah. interesting and, but so it was I great. like that yeah so, yeah I like the thought so you were doing like so I, acting I, writing yeah and yeah thinking, I felt yeah. like you know I felt like this is something that combines everything mm-hmm. and so because I had multiple interests and uh, so I thought like filmmaking is like the most interesting medium uh, for me and so I thought I was going to become a filmmaker. I was determined to become a filmmaker. And uh, um, and then uh, I went to uh, UC Berkeley to study philosophy and practice in fine art and with the intention of going to film school for graduate school. Um, and uh, by the time that I graduated college, I realized that um, probably going to grad school wasn't after after being in, the, in a practice of fine art program. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, necessarily going to a practice of art program is the 
most effective way of making art or becoming what you want to right. be. And ironically enough, my first job after college was uh, Quentin Tarantino's assistant on Reserv- Reservoir Dogs. Great. So um, he was somebody who studied film in his job as a video a video he store. A video store. Yeah. Yeah, 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 as a video store clerk. Yeah. And uh um and and I and I you know I I there wasn't a practical uh uh film school at Berkeley it was theoretical it was all mm-hmm. semiotics and theory but I but I spent like half of half of my time in movie theaters. Oh. Well, uh, what's just, is Tarantino as crazy as he seems? I mean, he's brilliant. He's the historical, categorical, like knowledge of film down to the, the, the score and the, you know. I mean, he was a, he really loved films. So like right. more than any other person, like I was somebody who was obsessed with films also. Right. So, um, so it was, so I really appreciate the fact that he really loved film sure. and made the effort and took the time to really study film and what you know watch film obviously like working in a video store you can watch films all day while you're working yeah um and so um he managed to absorb something from that experience and and all of his other experiences to you know produce the work that he did and uh i appreciated um experiencing that i mean if not for the just the kernel uh, takeaway, which is you don't need to necessarily go to a collegiate program to be successful. Practical at experience, yeah. yeah. So, like, especially the, and especially the arts, you know, like you, you you just have to have a vision, and you really need to work at it, and which is going to serve you later, yeah, when you jump into this business. But quick exactly. question: yeah. favorite Tarantino movie? Um, I think that I liked um, Pulp Fiction the best. Yeah. His films, yes. Yeah. I, would, I would say so too. He just, his book just came out. I'm kind of curious to read it. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I was, you know, by, by the time that I, um, that was my first job out of college. And by the time the, that's, that's the, pretty impressive, though. By the end of the yeah. film, I had been demoted from his assistant to a PA for okay. funny reasons. It's a funny story. Oh. Um, but uh have something to do with weed and getting fucked up or no <laughs> what <laughs> have something to do with weed and getting fucked up or no no, no it's just a, it's just, it was, just, it, it, it was hilar- it's a hilarious story um uh where um i didn't he wants to go to some parties and um on my one night off i was working six six days a week for fifty dollars a week and um, I was an intern. Every everyone was basically an intern, except for the keys on the on the on the uh, on the film. And um, he wanted me to drive him on my night off to some parties. But I had previously scored um, tickets to Dizzy Gillespie at the Vine Street Bar and Grill. Oh yeah, I know it. Yeah, and uh, with like also like an incredible uh, date. And, uh, and so I refused and Good I was, you. I was demoted. And by the way, Quentin Tarantino would do the same fucking thing to see Dizzy with a hot woman. So that's, that's a good yeah. life choice. That's yeah. a very good life choice. Yeah. So, uh, so you decide at one point 
film maybe isn't it um no, I, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in film for a long time. I had a career. I was a music video director, and um, and then I was doing independent film as a writer director. And uh, um, uh, it was more a situation where I felt that the kind of you know being a Gen X mm-hmm. and kind of like having that like ex- experience of the seventies, you know, like the, they call it like the, the golden age of seventies cinema and also the golden age of European cinema where, uh, where we were all watching Fellini and Bunuel and and Godard and, you know, and, and we followed directors and auteurs, the auteur era of film. Um, uh, it seemed like that was kind of petering out mm-hmm. and uh, you know, like the important with, I guess with reality television and I, I, fr- I first felt that as a mu- music video director, cause suddenly there were no music videos being made because MTV was making reality TV shows yeah. and, and mostly programming reality TV. Death of our culture. And then, like, and, so that, and, that, and it's just been a, yeah. it's just been a, yeah. a you know, it's kind of a straight line right. from from there. I, I call it the straight line from call waiting. <laughs> like, I don't know if you yeah. remember call uh, waiting sure. when yeah. you had like a dial phone yeah. or a touchstone phone. Yeah. But when you could hear a beep and yeah. that was a call coming on the other line and then you could. Sure. Beep, you had a you, priority. You be, like, yeah. And so like, you know, you could like somebody would say like, oh, I've got an important call on the, you know. Make you feel like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't really. Like, I'll, I'll call you yeah. back. Or like, like you're not you know, important. You're, I'll be right back. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it kind of like felt like that was like a weird thing. Call waiting. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of isn't in, in, you know, kind of part of social media. Yeah. Part of, you know, kind of like that kind of degradation of, um, the uh, kind of integrity of authentic yeah individual interactions with with another person yeah, real. you know real yeah. interactions and so um as uh, as as kind of the indie film scene started dying and like indie films became like mini studio films or genre films horror right. like there were a lot of, there was a lot of low budget horror i wasn't really interested in doing that stuff and uh, i had a like insane um breakup like I was in this relationship and had like a really crazy breakup that was disillusioning and uh I went on an epic breakup tour um where I was just driving around to my friends houses and trying to like understand like what like what happened and experiencing their like lives of people are getting you know people you were, were couch married surfing. yeah yes yeah. but but it was with my friends it was no yeah. longer the couch surfing period yeah. it was more my friends who were married and had kids so, and and they had money it, in an extra it, bedroom and, and okay. stuff you uh, know yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so like and so it was just like kind of like where where did i go wrong you know like what you know why don't I have a normal like family life or sounds like a fucking movie starring bill murray <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was like yeah. it was a little yeah it was yeah. it was a it was a very funny kind of funny time and then um uh i ended up at a friend's house uh in malibu um where they had built the house and only had, could do um some uh um agricultural 
development to the property. And I can, you know, being in this existential beach walk, kind of just wanting to like keep my mind off of things, state of mind, um, convinced my friend that we should plant a vineyard there and uh, establish a vineyard and we could do it cheaply by hand. Right. Just get canes. And so we went off and to do this uh, kind of quixotic vineyard concept. Like yeah. yeah. And then uh, what I discovered was um, that uh, um, all the wine buying and collecting that I'd done for like a couple of decades mm -hmm. um, resulted in my actually being a, kind of being in the wine business in a way, like right. having a network in the, in the wine business. Cause those people, uh, when they heard that I was establishing a vineyard, just opened their Rolodexes and suddenly at this, at this, uh, this property in Malibu, like every, like people started rolling through winemakers, vineyard manager type people. Um, more out of curiosity because like who the hell is doing anything in Malibu? Uh, it was because, before Malibu yeah. was an AVA. Right. That's and so, like, like, yeah, there were, like, little vineyards popping up. Right. There were, like, a couple, like, medium-sized to big vineyards in certain parts. Right. And so, yeah, so they were, so they're curious, right. you know. And also, there just seemed to be this, like, good kind of, like, generous camaraderie kind of enthusiasm. It was, uh, it seemed very generous right. in, some, in some ways. And so, like... Yeah. I got this like very generous feeling from um, the various people in the wine industry mm -hmm. um, that contrasted the feeling that I had in film and Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I was like doing a rewrite on like some action comedy that it was being trying to like the director's trying to convert it into like a psychological yeah. uh political thriller yeah. scott we need more lesbians <laughs> can you throw a couple of more lesbians into the script <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> yeah. um and so uh and so and so it, it it was just like kind of like my my past life was seeming like uh it just didn't make a lot of sense. And I was like dissociated with it. And I was planting this vineyard and there were all these people in the wine industry coming over and they all seemed smart and generous and fun. And, um, coming from a, coming from a place where like everything was abstract and I was just in my head, like inventing stuff and kind of like writing blueprints for these potential films. Right. Um, uh, now you get your hands like, in the dirt. Like planting a vine right. and it's going to grow. Right. I've got to take care of it. Yeah. And so, and there, there was like real consequence to it. Right. And, so, and so, that, that just became so much more compelling. Right. And so I kind of like started falling in love with, with the wine industry, like mm -hmm. the, like the people who are the w culture of wine. Right. And, uh, and the funny thing was, is it was so encouraging. Everyone was saying Yes do it, you know, plant the vineyard, having interesting conversations about varietals that could be planted, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the area was like the, the, 
where where this where this land was was super mountainous and kind of like but at the same time very close to the ocean so it kind of had like bulgari meets pure rats right. kind of yeah. like oh, wow. uh, okay. uh, feeling to it so right. it was like seemed like yeah good stuff can happen here and uh and i've always loved wine you know i've loved wine just from my from 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 the days of growing up where i was exposed to it very early on right and um uh and and that's kind of like the collecting the the reason why i had the relationships with the with the wine stores and the and the people and and in retail and whatnot was because um you know it was kind of like my father casually collected and mm-hmm. I just you know kept it up i at berkeley i was near kermit lynch and right so you, and yeah and i always kept, been kind like, of almost start collect, you know like friends that were collector wine collectors and blah 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 and so just it was just something that was always around in the background, and then it just slowly went into the foreground. So I, I'm going to throw a side story here. I was uh, I went to the Santa Lucia Highlands seminar, right? And I'm sitting with a bunch of winemakers, and I asked why they only plant Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, because all they talk about is like this is cool climate. We grow cabbage here. We grow potatoes here. That's how cool it is. That's what differentiates us from everybody else. And I said, so why then are you just growing Pinot and Chard? And they said, across the board. And all these people had money. They were already successful winemakers who sold vineyards. And they said, um, you can't make any money selling anything else. And I said, does it have to be just about the money? Can't you plant Trousseau? Can't you do something interesting? And across the board, everyone's pretty much, <laughs> no, thank you, because it's about making money. And I'm saying this because, so you go to Santa Barbara, and you were doing stuff like nobody is doing as in the is in the intro you have introduced components on a flavor wheel that traditional wine guys don't even they're like wow that's interesting i've never had that flavor i've never seen somebody do 200 days you know you know you know long extended maceration long barrel aging and from talking with you and hanging out with you today um the complexity of these wines are just compelling and so interesting. Um, you have this kind of cult following with the Scotty Boy and the CCGP, which is the uh, um, Central Coast uh, Group Project, which talking to you now, I understand the group project. I think um, one of the things I was looking at was like, you're like, it's a group project because it's, it's just not me. It's every winemaker I talk to, every grower I talk to, the truck driver who brings stuff here, the people who help me pick. It is a group project. And you're talking about a collective consciousness right now about what brought you to this space. Um, which to me is like, so tell me like, where does this idea, why, I, I understand like your love of Nebbiolo and this stuff, but like, tell me where the roads intersect of old world classic winemaking and innovative, non-traditional kind of, you know, techniques that you're using here to make these f- fucking awesome wines, which we'll talk about CCGP and we'll talk about the Scotty Boy lines. We have Scotty Boy in the glass right now, uh, the uh, Numero. And so let's talk about how you got there. What was well, the aha moment? I guess, what I guess what it was is... Um, I'm going to drink your wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. You know, like, the, the, funny, the funny, like, end cap of what I was talking about is when the when winemakers and, and 
wine industry people came to visit the site. They they were really excited about the vineyard and establishing the vineyard. But when I talked to them about my winemaking ideas, which were to, you know, make things in a natural, slow way and to do long extended maceration. I mean, every single person that I told the, that to said, uh, that doesn't sound good. They looked at the watch and go, oh shit, Scott, look what time it is. I gotta go. They were like yeah. very encouraging. Like, yes, go, you know, you need, to, you should do this project, but you need some help with the wine making idea. And uh, you need some, you, you, you need to like, find somebody to, to, to consult you on that in a more uh, reasonable way. The, the, the way that you're talking about it is not going to result in good, good wine. And so um, I was suspect of that because I felt like that's how like my heroes of winemaking made wine. Sure. And so it's I was like, just, a, like Barolo producer. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. like, I love old classical Barolo right. and I was really turned on by, Grovner Radicon. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I felt like uh, this, there are a lot of people who may, are making wine just the, the exact same way as what I'm talking about, but right. we're just talking about different varietals and different, you know, different area. Um, but to be fair, now, <laughs> like just because people who, have, who aren't drinking the wine and know the wines, you're doing like Pinot and Chard with long macerations, combining them. Chard and Viognier, like like you're creating again this flavor wheel I'm talking about these flavor profiles that are just so this umami this savory this peach there's like this incredible spectrum that people aren't used to it's like the most adventurous beer drinker that I know who's drinking sour and all that kind of stuff the, the whites have that kind of component we're like so that that came yeah. from um so I started with cool climate rones reds mm -hmm. and I was the idea was kind of to follow in the footsteps of these the, the 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 style of wines uh, from classical Barolo and 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 then some of the the guys who went to ancient winemaking mm -hmm. techniques in right. in Friuli and uh, and so uh, I, I mean to, in short it was basically like let's pick the grapes you know when they're balanced and then and then put them under uh, uh, long, long, long macerations to, to, to get as much phenolic content out of them so that we don't have to put sulfur. When you're them. talking long, what's, what's the long maceration? Well, like how at, many first, at first, the idea was like, you know, 40, 50, 60 days. Right. Um, uh, like, I didn't really know. Right. And, and I couldn't get a, um, the, the one winemaker who agreed with these ideas, I found one winemaker in the Santa Barbara area, oh. uh, Steve Clifton, who yeah, okay, who's who's from Brewer Clifton, but sure. also did his Palmina label, which yep. was Italian label. Yep. Hey, great Nebbiolo, actually. Yeah, and yeah. so he yeah. he actually knew the winemakers I was talking about, like personally, and like said encouraged and said like this is a great idea, you know, I'm you know. Uh, if you need fermenters, I got fermenters. I'll give that's you. It's cool. That's a and, that's a real brotherhood. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, I, there's this vineyard where I think you should get your Sangiovese. Oh. And I'll show it to you. And they also have Merlot and Syrah. And uh, and so he took 
took me to, to, to this to, to my first vineyard and, gave, and helped me get my first vineyard contract and uh and then uh through that i was like introduced to um uh you know other other vineyards um and uh i mean things just kind of started rolling in terms of the in terms of winemaking that that but that was my first project that blew up mm-hmm. and then i started the central coast group project in 2012 right. like with a with a uh a business plan written on a napkin and you know because it was a, it was kind of like <laughs> two a, napkins yeah it was still kind it of a, two napkins. a john okay. paul yoko <laughs> blow up with my original friend where we established right. a vineyard yeah. and, uh, um the ccgp stuff is really cool too because that's like um so that is the original stuff and so and yeah. so and so it was by doing that stuff and seeing what happens when you do long extended maceration mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just an accident, but I, I was told like you need to stir, and you need to gas, and um, so I did, without being able to really like have someone show me. Right. Um, I, I I created this way of sealing, uh, uh, from f- open top fermenters. Right. Where you could still where it had a, a portal porthole right where you could stir stir the wine as well and gas and, it and keep the oxygen out and keep, right. yeah and so that allowed me to start doing longer and longer uh, macerations in open top fermenters where I could stir the whole pumice right. and so like that was kind of like something that no one was doing right what's and, crazy is this is all trial and error for you. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody's was, leading you down this pathway. This is your kind of like. Yeah, it was all trial and error, yeah. and and just like feeling like it was the right way of doing <laughs> doing things, and it was funny because like you know like I was like, um, uh, you know like uh, like for example, Steve uh said like hey you know call me with any questions so like sometimes i was just like waiting out to the wine or trying to get in touch with them because during harvest it's really hard to get in touch with yeah. the winemaker yeah. and so uh you know like i was like hey you know like when you said like 35 days do you mean from when it's picked or do you mean <laughs> after it goes dry yeah and it's like from when it's picked and so like i was already like 35 days after it went dry <laughs> so like it was already going off so you're Louis Pasteur stumbling into this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, kind of stum- really. yeah, 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 stumbling into it. Yeah, but like yeah. the the effect, but the, the the like the results were amazing. Like the the first wines that the first wines I made were at the uh, Camarillo Custom Crush, and again, like at, at the Crush when I brought uh, the fruit in, they said like this if you. You know, like you need to do this, this, and that. And I said, like, no, I don't want to do any of those things. Right. So, well, then, you know, the wine's not going to come out well. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, and th- and then they <laughs> said, like, okay, sign these disclaimers, wow. like, so that if you if you make X amount of vinegar or bad right. wine, you still owe the same amount of money right. as if you made great wine with our, you know, right. our help. Right. And uh, I said, well. I'll, I'll sign those things if none of you guys touch the wine. Good for you. Yeah. And um, uh, there was this, this great guy who owned the, the crush. 
John, I think his name was John Dame. His last name was Dame. Dame. And uh, um, uh, he was just this eccentric guy who who drove who had like a like a '60s Volkswagen bus that was lowered, and like he was the kind of far out guy. I like this guy already. Like yeah. uh, home wine making shops and yeah. all the in, in like the the, like, the valley, yeah. like in Woodland Hills and yeah. Westlake and so. And he's like, "Yeah, you got to go for it. You got to like, you know, you got to follow your vision. Yeah, yeah, you got to do it." And he gave me the key, uh, a key to the winery, and oh shit, told those guys not to touch the wine. And so I was able to make my first wines at the at the custom crush. With no interference. I fucking love this accident. And they, accidental brilliance that's <laughs> happening here. And they, yeah. and they came out so well yeah. that, that 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 immediately I was thinking like, well, you know, if everyone's saying that it's that these ideas are bad and you're going to make bad wine, yet the wine's so good. And also, no offense, but there's a sea of mediocrity coming out of fucking Santa Barbara. I mean, Bienecito's got to be like 1,500 acres. You know, like, there's a fucking huge. And yes, everybody makes Chardonnay. But, uh, <laughs> these wines are like... There, there so, are a lot of good wines There's a lot Barbara. of good wines. I'm not shooting yeah, on Santa yeah. Barbara. Uh, Joe Tenley's a good buddy of mine. I love him. Um, and, and, and Lo-Fi's great wine. Uh, Scotty Boy, so let's talk about uh, Uno Numero. This is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. We have 60% Viognier, Chardonnay, Grenache Blanc, long extended and this wine is like salty it's got fruit it's got length complexity and like this is what i mean about the flavor wheel when people are listening like this is why they have to go find these wines because they'll be blown away because they're not uh, funky yeah, they're so just the, delicious the, and complex the scotty boy wines came out so uh ccg ccgp wines are meant to be like fun they're some people call them like kind of punk rock energy yeah. um uh, but they're but they're like super serious and they're super hard to make and they're super laborious and, and they're expensive. But that expense is tied into the fact that they're sitting. They're, the, the current release is two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, yeah. the financial commitment you're making to these wines, it's not like you're making getting rich off this right, shit. Right, right, right. Exactly. You're passing on like. Think about having... They're, they're, they're value yeah. wines in a certain perspective. Yes, yeah, they are. But it, I, I tell people who are listening, like, think about not getting paid for four years. Right. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what you're doing. You're locking up your inventory because you're sitting on these wines so that they have this, the CCGP stuff in particular. Yeah, yeah. yeah Crazy, totally. like, complexity and Im incredible flavor profile. They are so beautiful. Anyone who tastes these things will be like, their head will pop. <laughs> their eyes will roll back and they'll go, holy fuck, this is so incredible. Like, it's, it, they're just so delicious. And then on top of it, the labels are gorgeous. And there's like, you know, beyond the, the, the purple door. Like, you I know, get my creative yeah. outlet in the, in the labels, but uh, yeah. I make the wines because I love them yeah. and I love making wine. And, uh, and so I'm very, uh, I'm very passionate and convinced in the process that goes into the, the hard to make wines and the, the, hard to wait for them to come around wines. Well, but, you, you, but, you and I out today, and, um, and we've had conversations about this. You know, you make a cab, Super Cali, which is awesome, and it has this long extended fermentation thing, and it's so different than any California cab that's out there, right? Napa has got this monolithic kind of like archetype that's there, right? It's alcohol, it's chocolate. And your wine has the alcohol, by the way, which is a kind of a nice fuck you because, like, there's still, you know, 
handpicked, natural, all this stuff, but they have an intensity and a power, but they're so beautiful. But <clears throat> this is the different story these wines tell. And I think this is what makes us, it separates itself from the pack as well as it should. And that's why you're doing this thing and why these are so brilliant. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, the, so the, the Scotty boys where you're talking about crazy blending mm -hmm. and that essentially came from, uh, one year I was, uh, I only made red wines Yeah, because I was predominantly a red wine drinker, mm -hmm. just like Barolo yeah. and like Friulian Reds. Sure. Yeah. And uh, uh, those were my favorite. And I like, and, and, and some tu and Tuscan wines. I like a lot of Tuscans. Love Sangiovese, Brunellas, and stuff. And, uh, um, and so I used Viognier in my Syrahs as a co fermenting sure. agent and uh, to, to great effect with, you know, like creating great, like, uh, you know, f f fruit and floral aroma in the like, Syrah. Like, like you get something, it, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It, it supercharges the Syrah right. to a certain degree. And um, uh, and so one year I had this extra Viognier and I didn't know what to do with it. And a friend of mine um, just had a still, got a still. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to make some grappa. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so not only did I f just f start fermenting this Viognier on its own, but I put all the, my, my friend made a Sangiovese from tailings from, uh, from a, uh, from a stemmer. Okay. So just, just taking the tailings. Right. Which is just the, the second juice, press juice, right? You're no, right. just the juice, the okay. free run juice okay. that runs off of the stemmer. Okay. Oh, he collected okay. all of it during a harvest wow. and made a wine from it. And it was a crazy wine. Uh, and it, like, it wasn't like my favorite wine, was it but it was astringent as fuck. But it was, it was, yeah. it was totally drinkable. It was a cool, yeah. it was a cool wine. Like yeah. you, hearing that it came from the tailings, it yeah. was just like, yeah. whoa, that's amazing. That yeah. came from the tailings. Yeah. So it was very, very impressive on that level. So I decided to take all of my tailings and put it into the, the Viognier fermentation. And so, um, so, so making this kind of default rosé-ish right. wine. And so it was kind of like the end result was like 75% Viognier, whole berry, and then like 25% tailings right. from the whole wow. harvest. So like harvest blood, yeah. you'd say. And so like, Tasting it in the bin when it went dry, it, it, it fermented the whole harvest. So every time fruit came in, I would pour buckets and it in, in, into the, yeah, into this ferment and it wow. would just continue fermenting. Wow. So it was like an extended primary fermentation, which was like a fun idea because yeah. I like extended fermentations. And, uh, um, and so when it finally went dry, it, it just tasted so good. I couldn't huh. distill it. It was a wine, right? You know, oh, it was wow. this crazy wine. Yeah. And so I bottled this wine and called it blood orange. And it was a crazy orange wine when people hated orange wines. Right. Yeah. 
and um, and I brought it out to New York, and it just like sold out immediately even from like sommeliers you said they hated orange wines yeah. bought this yeah. wine well i think it's because that the tailing thing I mean, there's a textural component of these wines so so scotty boy is the vindeswaf the like stuff that's super affordable and good that doesn't go these long fermentations so these are the affordable drinking wines as your vindeswaf this was a C- ccgp wine. oh ccgp okay. so it was expensive okay and uh but uh and the you know the 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 sangra de harvest or whatever you want mm. like the harvest blood sonier of harvest whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call it was uh um you know it was like all right like 20 percent 20 25 percent of the wine but uh um the thing that was the most interesting about it was that yes maybe it did like mitigate a little bit of the harshness mm-hmm of the skin because the, it, it ended up staying on the skins for about six, six months or so. Right. And so, uh, um, but, but, but what was fascinating more than anything was that it just sold very, oh. very rapidly. And, and, uh, um, in LA, I was able to sell it, uh, to, to a lot of restaurants and became kind of the house wine at Vespertine, which was this very cool, and is uh, uh, a, a, a restaurant um, that 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 ended up getting like two Michelin stars, but uh, um, was an experimental restaurant, which right. was like very controversial. It was like the whole restaurant was contra- controversial because yeah, because like <laughs> it was a place where you didn't necessarily like know what you're eating. Yeah, it was like kind of like questioning like the whole kind of bourgeois dining experience sure. in terms of like what what you know what is what what are these like parameters of of dishes yeah. and like so it was all very very experimental and very avant-garde and painterly and so like yeah so it fit in perfectly yeah. and um and so like that was kind of like the thing that kind of put it on the on the map and i and i felt that that was a very successful wine and so that gave me the the idea that um an interesting thing to do with orange wines is to um, is to blend lots of skin fermented and juice fermented. Cool. And huh. well, the, uh, the Scotty Boy stuff is just carbonic. And see, I mean, th- these wines are um, you're like a painter now that has. 50 more colors to throw on the, on on this like tabula rasa. It's just like the 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 wines across the board are so beautiful. All the Scotty Boy stuff, the blush, the blood or everything is so good. The CGP stuff is incredible, worth every penny. And I, t- I people listening like you hunt these wines down. Um you can send me shit back on my um email <laughs> on my on my website drinkingthejob.com. Uh but I, I think you'll be blown away. And uh, man, with Thanksgiving coming up, these wines are all spectacular. Um, so, Scott, we're now at the point of the show where God said, "Scott, you're a genius. You're accidental. You're accidental genius to discover these wines and and, and, and to 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 gift these to uh, humanity." But it comes. Yeah. But the funny thing, it comes. The story comes full circle because, like, I always think that's really interesting because Quentin never went to film school. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, no, there's multiple he, he, parallels. He yeah. probably thought, like, he probably, like, he wanted to be a film director. I never thought I'd be a winemaker. But um, I learned about wine from, 
wine stores and restaurants. Dude, I, I gotta say, I love the idea of you falling into this and someone saying, well, this won't make correct, Ryan, and you're kind of like, mm, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> so, but God is now saying to you, Scott, thank you for the gift you've given everybody because now you've, you've opened the, the, the spectrum of, of, of wonderful wine for everyone. So I'm going to give you a gift, my friend. I'm going to give you your last day. I'm going to tell you what the last day is. So please go dine, go drink, and go listen to an amazing fucking piece of music, Scott. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you listening to? Let's start with what are you eating? Such a hard question. Yeah, man. Um, I'm definitely drinking old Barola. Okay. Um, I love really old Giacomo Canterno Barola. Barola. Thank um, you. Yep. Uh, um, um, I don't know. Eating is so nostalgic. And I always just go to like childhood. And so... No, probably spaghetti and meatballs. Good. With Barolo? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. okay. Um, I'll even throw in your, your like your grandmother's voice. Or, Scotty, or, or, or gnocchi with meat sauce. Gnocchi you know. meat sauce. Yeah, yeah. And, and listening? And, uh, what are you listening to? I think I'm listening to... I'm listening to Bitches Brew or Chuck Johnson. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's great. As you float off... They float off into the ether yeah, and re-enter the carbon cycle. All right. I'm, I love it. Going to give you a glass of Scotty Boy on the way out, too. Thanks. Uh, Scott, thank you that for being be on the uh, uh, DOTJ podcast. Hey, check out the website, drinkingonthejob.com or DOTJ podcast for past episodes. But uh, Scott's wine, Scotty Boys, you got to find them. Uh, Scottyboy.com, um, DTC, and just uh, ask your local SOM, uh, you know, where can I, why don't you have these on the list? Stop. (laughs) We're done. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Bye.